You are tuned in to Awaken Radio with Connie Chapman. To listen to more episodes, go to ConnieChapman.com or subscribe on iTunes. Hi everyone, this is Connie and welcome back to Awaken Radio. Thank you for tuning into the show today and joining me for another episode. Today I am bringing you a really powerful, honest and vulnerable conversation with the gorgeous Katie Dean, which explores how we can turn fear into bravery and begin to move through those things that have been holding us back. Katie is the author of the book Becoming Brave, and this is a radical guide for turning fear into bravery. Before my chat with Katie, I had the chance to read her book, and I not only resonated with so much of what she shared, but I was also really deeply moved by the honesty and authenticity through which she shares her journey and her teachings. And you will find that the same energy flows through our chat today. And so today's episode is about becoming brave and moving through fear. And I have no doubt you're going to find this conversation so useful because I know so many of us feel completely paralyzed by fear and when it arises, it's an energy that many of us really struggle to navigate. And when fear arises, our tendency is to pull back, stop, hesitate, shut down, close off, or even run away. But what I loved about today's conversation with Katie is that she encourages you to instead lean into your fear to listen to it, to pay attention to it, because your emotions hold messages for you. And as Katie so beautifully says, fear is just an opportunity for us to be brave. And so in today's episode, we explore how to change your relationship with fear. This is not about trying to eliminate it or make it go away, but change how you respond to it and step into it and through it with a big, brave heart. Katie and I talk about working through anxiety, the fear of not being good enough, and the judgment of others. And we explore how to follow those deep, intuitive nudges and inner knowings, even when they're scary or they're filled with risk. And so let me introduce my guest to you. Katie Dean is not your typical motivational coach or typical anything. She is a writer, motivational maven, and the woman you want on your team. Through her booked out coaching, national speaking tours, live events, and loved up writing, she is hell-bent on lighting people up, laughing loudly, and has created a successful business to help women unearth their brave. What started as a blog called Your Wildlife has grown into a flourishing business that brings empirically based bravery approaches to women, entrepreneurs, and change makers. She does this all while being a solo mama of two beautiful boys, the absolute loves of her life, and her first published book, Becoming Brave, is now available. So get comfortable, make yourself a drink, grab your journal so you can take some notes, and let's dive into this beautiful conversation with Katie Dean. Hi, Katie. Welcome to the podcast. It is so awesome to be here with you. Thank you so, so much for having me, Connie. It's an absolute honor because, you know, I listen to the podcast. I'm sure I've sent you a few messages over the time. I love it. So I have in my hot little hands a copy of your new book. Congratulations on that. Thank you so much. It's been a labor of love and a real passion project. It wouldn't leave me alone until I finished her. And yeah, I'm I'm stoked to be able to hold her in my hands. I didn't actually think it would feel as um, complete as what it has. So it's, yeah, it's, it feels really good. It is called Becoming Brave, a sassy woman's guide to turning fear into bravery. Why did you feel this conversation was so important and why did you want to put it into a book, you know, so it could get into the hands of so many people? For so much of my youth, and I didn't really realize until, you know, a few years ago, so much of my youth, I was living in fear. And obviously, you know how fear can show up in so many different forms for us. Like I was, I was so scared of what could go right. I was petrified of what could go wrong. I didn't feel comfortable anywhere yet. I didn't really realize that was how I was feeling at the time. I just knew that I, I, it never felt like I never felt whole. And in hindsight and in reflection, after everything sort of started to go wrong, or actually, you know what, nothing ever really goes wrong, does it? We're always on the right path, whether, but at the time it didn't feel like authentic to me. I wasn't living my truth. Um, And I knew that things 
could be different. So in hindsight, then I started to look back and realize that so much of what was coming up for me all throughout my whole entire life was fear and the decisions that I made were fear-based. And so when I started to reflect on that and decided what my life was going to be and pretty much rebuild myself from the ground up, I realized that in order to do that, I had to face my fears first. And in order, once we face our fears, fear is just a chance for us to be brave. And so that is how I realized that that was going to be the book. And it honestly, it just came to me. The name was there right from the get go as soon as I sat down and the whole writing process and everything. She just, I call her a she because I feel like the book's a bit of a friend. Um, it has been a really effortless progress, a process, even though it's sometimes it's been really uncomfortable to sort of um, put it all on paper and be ready to release it all out into the world. Because you are quite vulnerable in the book and you do share a lot about your own personal experiences and the way you have worked through the the principles that you're sharing with people did that feel important to you to be quite honest and transparent about about how to work through fear absolutely if there's one thing I know that I was put on this earth to do and that's to tell the truth mm-hmm. and the, the main motivation for writing the book was because I wanted us to be able to talk about our mess you know, when I was moving through whatever it was that I was moving through, and there's been many a thing, um, I didn't feel that anyone else could possibly be feeling the way that I was feeling like, because no one at that stage was talking about it. And now in our online world, we've got access to so many amazing souls who are sharing this, their real stuff. But back then, you know, when I was sort of 20 to 25, 26, you know, 10 years ago, I didn't feel like I felt so alone, basically, and I felt like there was something wrong with me. I couldn't quite put my finger on it, and so much of it was that anxiety and that fear-based belief system that I'd created for myself, and I knew that I had to blow the lid off it. Like, I'm not an expert. All I'm doing is telling the truth and sharing my story and figuring out it as I go along and sharing it in the hopes that, you know, women out there will know that they're not alone because we all have the same stuff. Mm-hmm. We're all going through the same lessons, but they just differ in how we're receiving them. And I think it's so important that we talk about that and not try and, you know, in the world of beautiful, like I love Instagram. I'm such an Instagram person, but in the world of perfect filters, you know, there's something really magical about the rawness of real life and, and our mess and our middle. I love talking about that. I absolutely agree with you. I have read quite a bit of the work of Brene Brown, who obviously talks a lot about vulnerability and connection. And one of the things that landed on for me the most about her work was about shame and about that tendency for us to hide away the things we're ashamed of. But but the healing that happens is when we actually bring it out into the light and then we can connect with others because we realize, as you said, we're all going through the same things and we've all got the same fears. Absolutely. And I love Brene Brown. Mm-hmm. And shame has definitely been one of those roadblocks that I have carried around for so long. And shame gets reversed when it's shared 100%. Yes. If you if you choose to share it with the people who are going to hold that for you and share it in a way that you're not, your healing is not dependent on the response that you get. Like you don't have any expectations. Like you're just sharing because you're ready to share. You've got to do that healing work yourself. And I think once we get to that point where we realize that, because I mean, no one is going to be as hard on you as you are yourself. We're the cruelest people to ourselves at times when we believe that we're carrying, you know, when we believe that we've done the wrong thing and we're, you know, carrying the load of whatever shame situation or story that we're we're walking with no one's going to be as harsh as to us as we are on ourselves so when we get to a point where we're ready to move through that and share that it instantly will lose its power because shame thrives in silence and as soon as you give it a voice it's got nothing and I love what you shared there about 
sharing it, but not with the expectation or concern about how it's going to be received. Because you talk a lot in the book about freedom. And that to me has such a sense of freedom to it, where we say, I'm going to share my fear. I'm going to share my truth. I'm going to share these things I'm ashamed of, not for you, not so that you can validate me or approve of me, but so that I can set myself free. Absolutely. Absolutely. My word for the year is free because I just, I think it's so important that we allow ourselves to be free to feel however we need to feel in that moment. And so for me, that that word this year and within the book, when you're carrying around shame or guilt or expectations or anything for that matter, you're never you never really allow yourself to be fully in the moment. You, you're always sort of semi-guarded. So setting yourself free from that shame and allowing yourself to feel however you need to feel in order to move through that and to enjoy the moment and not to put so much expectation again on yourself to, to love every minute of your life as well. It's, yeah, I think freedom um, and giving ourselves the space to be able to feel how we want to feel and be ready to share what we need to share when we're ready to share it is really, really powerful stuff. Mm. And I remember reading in your book, you talk quite a bit about feelings and emotions. And I'm fairly sure you shared about your experiences of typically trying to avoid your feelings and staying busy. You talk quite quite a lot about that, the busyness, the doing. And at one point in the book, you share that you see our emotions as being signals and messengers. I'd love to hear more about that. Absolutely. So I know, and I've actually been writing about it this week, like our negative feel, well, what we perceive as negative feelings or heavy feelings or anything else, they don't need to be fixed, you know, and as a society and as individuals, and for me personally, I shouldn't generalize this all. I know whenever something didn't feel right, or I wasn't feeling happy, or I, the shame came up or the guilt or something uncomfortable, or someone said something and I was triggered, I, I, I didn't want to face that. So the easiest thing to do would be to avoid that. And it would be like, if something doesn't feel good, oh, that I don't like that. I'm, I'm not going to, to go there. So I'm just going to try and avoid it. So I would like, we run over it. We go out and we exercise over it. We eat over it and try and numb ourselves out if we're not feeling good. So like if you come home and you've had a hard day at work, we've all gone to the fridge at some point and started, you know, to try and change our state. We, you know, mask it with something else or we've drunk over it. I know I definitely did for years. Like instead of actually feeling and facing that uncomfortable feeling, whatever it was, I'd try and numb out or just change my state in some way, shape or form. And in doing that, when we do try and avoid the real feelings that are there, for us, we're missing the message. We're missing the healing. And our emotions only come up to share something with us. So for me, a lot of that was anxiety. A lot of anxiety would flow through me and a lot of fear constantly. And instead of actually seeing what that was there to tell to tell me, which was, hey, this isn't right for you, or these people that you know, you're investing your time in or these relationships, that's probably not you living your best life or um, your intuition. You know, when we go against our intuition or our intuition simply speaks up, we mm. know that feeling. And sometimes, often, you know, your intuition, it always knows the way. There's no question. It always knows what's right for you. However, when making the decision and the choices in your life that are right for you, that will sometimes bring up negative feelings or hard feelings or emotions that you don't want to face. So, of course, we numb out on them. So when you realize that you get out of your head and stop trying to make everything feel good and perfect and right and you allow and you get back into your body and you start to see the emotions as not something that are scary but as actually storytellers and signals and that fear, that anxiety that once would cause you to run in the opposite direction actually means, whoa, stop, like let's ground on into this and lean in. Then you're unlocking the key to your growth. Then you're unlocking the key to whatever it is that's unnerving you. Then and only then you can heal. And 
that whole, and I know that you've spoken about it before and sitting with it. And Mm. that can be so scary. Like I know, you know, that sitting with those feelings, especially when you're not used to, or even when you are used to it and you know what it means and you know that it's a phase that you have to move through, that's really uncomfortable, but it's either going to shift or something's going to change. And that on the other side of that and through that, your middle, that's where the beautiful answers are. And yeah, that can only be found from not rushing through those feelings and allowing yourself to receive the messages that are there for you. Anxiety is such an interesting one and I'm glad you've brought it up because I think it's something that a lot of people experience and I'm curious to hear more about, if you don't mind talking about it, your experience of anxiety because I do think it needs to be even more normalised as being something that many of us are working through and I love this perspective of there being a message in there versus usually what the mind tells you is there's something wrong with me that I'm for me feeling this and out of all the emotions I would actually say I find anxiety the hardest to sit with I can sit with sadness I can sit with grief I can sit with anger I can sit with fear but anxiety is a that's a challenging one what has been the biggest triggers for you for your anxiety over the years and what is your toolkit of ways you support yourself when it arises sure anxiety it's a big one and I know when I first had Archer my eldest son that is when I really realized that all of these emotions and anxiety is really just a label like it it encompasses so many emotions And for me, when the term anxiety is just a big umbrella and um, so many emotions and feelings and symptoms within my body are a reflection of that. So how did it, well, when I first had Archer, I realized because I was working 65 hour weeks before he was born up until I was 38 weeks pregnant. And again, I was avoiding everything and it wasn't until He was probably about four months old and I was through the whole shock of the newborn phase and I realized that this fear, I was just in a low-level state of panic to a high-level state of panic at all times. Even though I love my baby more than anything, I was just constantly fearful that something would go wrong, that I wasn't worthy enough. I just didn't feel safe in my life, if that made sense. Like I was constantly on high alert. And so that is when I went and spoke to my doctor and my like team of counsellors and I have my amazing kinesiologist and I was trying everything and I didn't know what this feeling was. Not once did it occur to me that it was anxiety, not once, which is odd because I should have you know, known, but it wasn't until someone who was outside of my world explained to me that that's what I was feeling that I could actually start to relax because I realized that I wasn't going like batshit crazy, that this is a response to basically my body's responding to my thoughts and that the physical response is coming from a story that I'm telling myself. That is what anxiety is for me. And that again, it's a message. And then when I started to be able to, it's still, it comes back to our bodies telling us everything we need all the time. We always have the answers to what we need. But whether we're up in our head and rushing through our life and not present to receive them or we're actually in them and grounded in it, that's the difference. But once you sort of are in that fearful state and, you know, you've gone down that rabbit hole and you're in that fight or flight response, that is really hard to sit with. I totally agree. That's the last thing you want to do is to sit and be okay with how you're feeling because that goes against every single muscle in your body, you know, like you're, you're, when you're going through an anxiety attack, you're panicking mm-hmm. and you don't feel safe and you want to do whatever you can to feel safe. So it is a process. You can't just all of a sudden be in a panic attack and go, oh, this is cool. Yeah, I'm totally cool with it. I'm just going to chill out. Like if it was that easy, we'd all be doing it and no one would have a problem with or, or an issue with anything. But for me, how I moved through it was, again, working out within my body what my signals were. And there's so many levels to this. Like I go through them so much in the book, breaking down our fears, acknowledging what they are, writing through it, because the words are obviously my jam and that's how I can process what's going on. But an actual anxiety attack in that moment, it's the second I start to realize 
those physical feelings and those symptoms that are going on. So often now, like my chest will get tight, like it's changed a lot because it's, it's lessened over the years, but my chest will get tight. I'll get a lump in my throat and then I'll like get a hot rush. Like I used to, I know it used to feel like when you'd go down an elevator and you'd get that whoosh feeling Mm. and it would be like that wave would come over me. And in that moment, you can either buy into the story that's going on, whatever's coming up for you, or you can choose another way. Now, that is like anything. We can, you can always choose again. That's always available to us. But depending on the level of anxiety that you're experiencing at that time, whether you catch it or not, whether you want to buy into it or not, because if we've been in, you know, an anxious state for years, that's our default setting a lot of the time. And changing that can be really scary as well. So that's a commitment in itself, but it's getting out of your head and into your body, working out how your body is feeling at that moment in time. What is the message there for you? Do you believe it? Do you want to go down that path with that? And if it's not something that you resonate with, if you do not believe that thought to be true, then it's just about doing whatever is right for you to bring yourself back. And for me, that often means getting out of that situation and not in a way where I'm running from it. But it could be if I'm sitting down on the lounge and I start to peek out, getting up and walking to the kitchen just so I'm changing the channel. You know what I mean? And I'm consciously choosing to do that. I'm consciously changing my state. I'm constantly choosing to be in another way. And that's very different from going, oh, I don't like this, I don't want to feel it, and just avoiding it. Two, being aware of how you're feeling, acknowledging it, and then choosing how you wish to proceed. Totally hear you. I'm even reflecting in myself as you're talking around my journey with with anxiety as well. And I'm sort of realizing from what you're sharing, there are moments leading up to before we get to the absolute panic, which can often happen when this escalates, there are usually moments where we can uh, if we're self-aware enough, intervene before we get to that point. And I, yeah. I was realizing I used to practice this a lot when I struggled with anxiety was when I would begin to even get a little bit of the feeling, I would stop and ask myself, what was I just thinking just now in that moment? And usually I could then see the thought, which was some worst case scenario, catastrophe-like, horrific fear-based story. And I could see, I was like, oh, no wonder I'm feeling the way that I'm feeling. And if I could intervene there, I could then work on my mindset and, and do my journaling, etc. And I found if I got to the point then where it escalated to that absolute hot, sweaty panic, which I know like you can't even sit still, I would find in those times movement would actually be quite helpful. Like you said, changing your physical state, changing your your energetic state, because sometimes you just need to get that energy moving so your body can process it. And I found like, you know, going for a nature walk or doing some yoga or dancing would actually really help um, me process and move through the intensity of the anxiety. Absolutely. And getting out there, I totally agree getting out into the world to see that the world's still going on because, if you know, when you're up in your head and this will often occur at home or in our workplace, it's a very, you know, familiar surrounding and to get out there and see that the world's still going on and just purely moving through space and time and keep that moving forward, God, that does wonders. And I know when having young babies, if I can't or couldn't, you know, it's not easy to just pick up and get out the door when you've got two little ones or even just one, I just go outside and do the grounding, like get my bare feet on the grass and just that sensation of fresh air and that earth's vibration, gosh, that would always, it would put, and the sun on my skin, that would pull me out of so many things and talking to people and just yeah connecting with nature or other souls or anything like there's so many things that you can do that would help you um move through an anxious phase and I totally agree with what you've said like catching the thought and because it it always starts somewhere it doesn't just go from naught to 100 but that self-awareness is key and for me I know you asked this before what sort of things would trigger Looking back, it was always, and it always has been, I think, a fear of not being accepted, a fear of not being enough, and a fear of being judged in some way, shape, or form. So 
I had to really do a lot of work on myself and be okay with who I am as a person, as a whole entity before putting it out into a book, which is going to be judged, I guess, in the, well, available for everyone else. Like I had to be okay with everything that I wrote and shared before I would allow other people a chance to form their opinions or become part of that story Mm. as well. And I know that you asked that question before and I went off on a tangent. But, yeah, it is so important that we can be okay with our stories and our fears and everything else first before anyone else can be privy to them or we can ever expect anyone else to support us through them because it ultimately has to come from us and through us and when we give ourselves permission and the space to have that healing and that awareness and that acknowledgement then and only then I think can we really move through it yeah and to your point earlier about the it being the messenger the fear being the messenger the anxiety being the messenger what I'm coming to see as we're kind of talking is it's a it's showing us where our our thoughts about ourselves are not based on love, where we are still judging ourselves, feeling not good enough within ourselves, being critical of ourselves. And so those feelings are like your body saying, hey, this thing you're thinking about yourself at the moment is not supportive. It's not loving. And you've got some work to do here on your relationship with yourself to heal that. And ultimately, when we then do that work, and I think this is probably why my anxiety has eased up over the years, probably yours as well, as we've faced, we've faced what needed to be healed. And you show up for the work and then there's less of that storyline playing out and therefore there's less of the anxiety playing out. Absolutely. And you know what? I think it's so easy to think that, especially when we say do the work, and I 100% use that terminology Mm -hmm. as well because it's not a party um, by any means, but it also doesn't have to be that hard. It can be just start with a decision and then you might have to make that same decision over and over and over again. But, well, you do because it's never one decision to just be okay with that. But that's, it's just a choice. It's like, well, once you're aware, say that thought that I, I'm not enough. Oh, wow, that's the, that's the core underlying belief of why I'm not going out for that job or why I'm scared to leave that relationship or why I'm not valuing myself in this conversation, in this friendship. Why am I letting her say all these things to me? It's that fear that you're not enough as you are. Once you're aware of that, that backbone to all, you know, these other actions or situations that are overflowing from that, then you get to choose how are you going to let this manifest in your life? Because it is all self-inquiry. We've constantly got to check in with ourselves and check yourself before you wreck yourself. You know what I mean? Like constantly come back. If something isn't feeling how we want it to be feeling within our life, why is that so? Get back to that core belief. And then is that what you want to believe about yourself? Is that how you want to move through life with that belief? And if it's like, no, no, it's not, then okay, what do I do know to be true? Or what do, would I like to be true about myself? And then you move in a more loving way from that decision forward. And it sounds like such a process, doesn't it, when you explain mm. it like that. But it gets so much quicker, as you know, like you do have to lay it all out initially because then you understand why. Yeah. And you have to learn almost, this is what I think I, I really enjoyed about reading what you shared in the book. You're learning a different relationship with fear, a different way of relating to your fear. And, and so initially it is this real slow process as we're kind of figuring out like and have to go through it quite consciously and methodically but it eventually just becomes you know now how we support ourselves so going into this conversation now about becoming brave and turning your fear into bravery which is so much of what you're talking about and shifting our our perspective around fear let's talk more about this idea of being brave yes oh I love this part fear is the guidepost for everything because it will signal the biggest growth opportunities and if we're going to become brave first we need to put ourselves in the path of our fears Mm -hmm. and we need to face them you know we need to call them in and bravery isn't always about the big ballsy things that we see people do like jumping off the side of the mountain getting up on stage being a keynote speaker and all those things bravery is in those little moments you know that could be 
you know, making the phone call to someone that, you know, that you really want to speak to, or it could be booking the ticket on the trip of a lifetime. It could be going for the job that you've always wanted. That's what real bravery is. And our fears and insecurities, they're really loud. It's the bravery and the confidence. That's really quiet you know they're the silent things that we decide for ourselves and it's not until we realize the moves that are scaring us the most that we realize what's available to us in becoming brave and it's such simple steps forward that can lead us to the biggest leaps in our life if you know what I mean Mm. So there's opportunity for huge amounts of growth and expansion when we're willing to stretch into the places through the sort of the edges of our comfort zone into something new, uh, which requires us to be brave. And then, you know, I think so much new stuff can open up for us in our lives from that place. Absolutely. And it's like, like perfectionism. We would have heard Elizabeth Gilbert talk about it and she just calls it fancy fear. You know, there's so many different ways that fear shows up for us in our life and comes back to that being a messenger. And every time we find that fear within our lives, it's just an opportunity. So instead of it being something that we run from and try and avoid and People see fear as a bad thing, you know, like, oh, I'm scared, like, I don't like that. That's a sign that you're on the right path. Like, there's different sorts of fear. There's the fear of, oh, don't walk down that alley. That's not what I'm talking about. There's the fear that comes with the doubt of your ability to do the thing. And I would just love for people to just give themselves that self-inquiry and back themselves enough to see what's holding them back to do the work around, you know, creating that new belief system and backing themselves enough to do it anyway. Because life without fear isn't the goal. A life deciding what that fear means to you is completely what it's all about. Mm, I love that so much, deciding what that fear means to you and deciding what you're going to do about it when it presents and and how you're going to handle it. I would love to ask you, what would you say, and I'm sure there's actually been a few, but what is the most significant moment that you can think of that you've had to practice being brave? Oh, you know what? When I was 16 weeks pregnant and sitting in my bed and this, I was still married um, at that time and I was sitting there and I was furious and I write about this in the book. I was so mad that I was so mad again and furious and angry and it was literally all encompassing it was one of the most pivotal moments in my life well obviously everything before that moment was before my life was divided before I was or while I was married and then it was little did I know that it was soon to be after I was married that moment honestly something came over me and through me, and I actually kind of think it was my son while he was just floating around there in utero, his strength or my my soul, something came into my body and I swear to God, it was just the most insane experience and I just, all it kept saying was I can't, I can't, I can't and I threw back the covers and it wasn't me who Mark took those few steps into the next room but it was just something else that was just like you need to you can't do this anymore and I walked in and had the conversation with my husband saying that I can't and that was the moment that I had to trust in something that I couldn't see trust in everything that I was feeling trust in all the fears that I had been thinking up until this point because you don't just ask for a separation and never have faced any issues before. Like we had danced around this many, many times. But that moment where I backed myself enough to do it anyway, that was probably the bravest thing that I've ever done. Because I mean, you know, I had a two-year-old. I was 16 weeks pregnant with our second baby, who was an IVF baby. Like we wanted this to then ask for a separation and divorce and everything that moment with no plan or idea of how I was going to make it through. I just knew that we had to do this. And I say we, like the baby, myself and Archer, like that was for us. Like I had to make that decision for us. That was really scary, but it was also, I have not doubted that decision once because I completely trusted in my ability and that message that was coming through for me and 
yeah, without a doubt, that was definitely the bravest step that I've had to make. And that's not to say that the aftermath of that and everything that unravels um, because of that decision has been easy because it hasn't. But knowing that I made the decision and acted in a way that was right for me at the time has just, it's, it's provided such strength because I'm such a believer in following our intuition. And I know you are too. Our, we know the truth by the way it feels. We know what's right for us by the way it feels. And we know what moves in our life and what pivots are right by the way that it feels. It's whether or not we're brave enough to listen to that and not talk ourselves out of it because we know, we all know, we know, but, and I've written a chapter on it, when positive thinking goes bad, you know, we can talk ourselves into and out of anything in this lifetime, but when we trust ourselves enough and we commit to that feeling, and that's that choice that I was talking about, it's that decision. When you make the decision to listen to that voice, you can't unhear it. And then that starts the whole, the rest, she's going to be there, the rest of your conversations for the rest of your days, your intuition. Once you've heard her, you can't silence her, but you can talk over her with your positive thinking and rationalizing of any situation. But once you know how that feels and you know that whatever unfolds from listening to that intuition, you're okay with because you know that it was right for you at that time. That's the sort of bravery no one can take from you. Mm. And that's the sort of bravery that will serve you. And that's what I'm talking about in the book. Yeah, I absolutely love that. That chapter really, really impacted me and I related to so much of what you shared. And I do truly think that following our intuition always, always requires us to be brave. I think every single time that intuitive knowing comes, there will be a backlash of fear of, yeah, but what if this happens or, you know, what if I run out of money? What if, you know, I'm alone or whatever the stories is around that. But when you're anchored, as you said, in the inner knowing and you feel it so viscerally as your truth, you, you can place full faith in that, can't you? But and you still have to be brave to, to act on it. <laughs> but you know what? It comes with time. Mm. It's like, and that trust and that assurance that you're doing the right thing like I didn't just all of a sudden, that wasn't my first like step into the arena of my intuition. I'd been trusting it, you know, and asking myself the questions in smaller ways, shapes or forms for years, you know, like from once I started to, you know, have those conversations with myself and not, I know that this, I'm not like a crazy person. I know I don't need to say that here because we all like your community. I'm all about that. You're all about that. <laughs> Like if I, you'd be surprised how many times I've actually stopped and just sort of paused and people are looking at me and I'm like, no, I'm just communicating with myself. And they're like, you, you're doing what now? But I it's getting back in to see what the real message here and silencing that noise. But once you back yourself enough and once you've asked those questions and you trust, no matter what unfolds, it's going to be okay. And that is something that builds and that is something that grows and that is something that we can it doesn't have to be complicated it can be like ask standing you know before you go to the fridge like check and before you cook your next meal what do I feel like today you know what do I want to eat or how do I want to nourish my body and and something will come up and then if you give yourself that you'll probably feel satisfied if you go against it and get something else chances are you're going to feel not satisfied like there'll be a different response and then you'll start to know that oh when I listen to this feeling when I honor what I need and I'm honoring what's my truth that's when I start to feel good that's when I'm rewarded that's when the outcome it, it's never wrong even if it may go pear-shaped especially in relationships and and that sort of thing if you always move out of a place of integrity and doing the next thing that feels right and the moving because it's something that you really wanted to do and it felt right to you at that time, then it can never be wrong. Even if it doesn't work out the way that you thought, like I don't view my marriage as a failure, which I've seen like a lot of people, especially when I'm like waddling eight months pregnant and they're like, oh, is your, your husband coming in? I'm like, no, we're separated. And everyone puts their head to the side and goes like, oh, they're, like they're trying to put their shame or their guilt mm -hmm. or their something onto me. And I'm like, 
no, like I'm, we're good. Like I'm solid in this fact. Like doesn't mean that everything is going to unfold. It's going to be easy in the decisions that you make. But when you make them from a place of trust, then you know that what, however it turns out, it's always going to be your path. We can never be off path though. Even when it feels like we've made a wrong turn, it's always our path, regardless of what we thought it was going to look like. Mm. And I want to go back to what you were touching on earlier about when you say when positive thinking goes bad. And I've, I've read the chapter, so you know, I know what you mean about that. Um, yeah. And it's this conversation around when we're getting the intuitive hits about something, but we justify or make up reasons as to why uh, we shouldn't follow that. And we try to make the, the situation better. And, and just you know, even a personal story for me, I was in a relationship a few years ago, a long-term relationship, and I woke up when, one day with that feeling that knowing of this relationship needs to end you guys are going in different directions you have to end this relationship and I had so much resistance to following that in that intuition I stayed in the relationship for another 10 months which wasn't bad I don't think it was the wrong choice but what I spent that time doing was oh I know what I need to do I just need to work on myself more and I need to love and accept him as he is and drop my expectations and stop asking so much of him and rather than having the courage to follow the intuition I was just trying to put positive paint all over everything and make it some spiritual process so can we talk more about the tendency of this to happen? Absolutely. And I totally relate. Mm. And because we want to fix things as well. There's this massive movement of positive thinking. And I've, I guarantee I would have written a zillion posts on this as well. But there's a time and a place for everything. But if some like, for instance, we we both just been talking about a relationship. So if someone shows you their true colors, believe them, you know, we can't try and paint a different picture with the colors that they're showing us. You know what I mean? And that's our tendency, especially if you love someone or in a work situation, you love your job or whatever it is that's coming up, but we'll take it back to the relationship. And don't get me wrong, we all make mistakes. There's different levels of people showing up as themselves and what we choose to do with that. So Obviously, people have arguments and that sort of thing. But if something keeps coming up for you and the same thing keeps showing itself over and over again and the same patterns, that's not a one-off. That's a pattern. And then we have a choice. We have a choice to either see it for what it is or we avoid it because we don't like what that realization is going to mean for us. Yes, the fear comes up, doesn't it? If I make this choice, what would happen? And we think about all these worst case scenario repercussions. Yes. And what does this mean about that person? And what does this mean for us? And what am I going to have to do now that I know this information? So instead of actually making it be about the situation or the person involved, we make it about us and we take on the responsibility of fixing it or changing it. You know, there's a difference between choosing to look on the bright side of life and see the cup as half full and avoiding what's actually in the cup in the first place. And it comes down to intuition ultimately. And as you said, as we go on this journey of building this relationship with our intuition, and maybe at the start, you know, it's not a super strong relationship, but you do get to a point in your life where you know it, you know it when it comes, you know what it sounds like, you know it when it hits you. And most people that I work with who are thinking of making some type of change in their life, whether it is leaving a relationship, leaving a job, moving house, on some level, they already know the answer. Like we we know. We know. Otherwise, you wouldn't be asking the question. Exactly. It's just we, as people, we, you know, we want someone to validate us or give us permission. Or sometimes we just need to be able to process it ourselves and we need to work through that. And what I did want to say on that, though, because as much as on some level we know about our intuition, I think it's also important we don't judge ourselves if we're still in the process of working through the fear that's there, because we need, I think we need to have compassion for ourselves, even if we acknowledge you know what, I can see if I need to leave this job, I need to leave this relationship. It may take us a little while to just do that inner work in ourselves to be ready. And I think we I don't want anyone to judge themselves if they're still noticing that fear is holding them back at any point because that's not even helpful to do that, but to have compassion for yourself and love yourself through that process still. 
Absolutely, because we can't rush something we want to last forever. This is a, you know, we can't expect to have the courage to do all the things we need to do. And I don't want anyone as well who's listening to go think that their relationship is doomed or that they have to leave all of a sudden or the job's not right or anything because they're having these inklings and that they feel like they've got to do it right now. Mm. Like it's a process and so much healing can take place within that process and figuring things out. It's like when you get like a lot of people um, having like their nine to five job mm-hmm. and then they've got their little side hustle and then they feel like they've got to to be true to the side hustle. They've got to quit their full-time job right away and throw themselves all in and, you know, and you don't have to do that. And the same thing with your intuition and whatever um, that bold move is in your life. Like it can be, it's a gradual thing. You've got to do it in a space and in a way that feels right and true and safe and when you're ready It doesn't have to be an all or nothing approach to anything. Mm. It's just following your curiosity and slowly building towards something or an answer that feels right and true for you because it is a process. It's unraveling. It's unnerving. And then it's also really, really comforting and reassuring and, yeah, and you, you can't get it wrong. This is what I just keep coming back to, like, you were saying there's no, like, don't judge yourself because even though it might feel like you don't know the answers right now, if you don't know, that is exactly where you're meant to be at this moment in time. I absolutely agree with that. I really agree with that, that usually in the moment that a decision needs to be made, we will know in that moment and we'll be ready in that moment. And it's not about waiting to be ready but it is about honoring the process you're moving through and that you know we need to yeah just honor that what's getting triggered for us that we can't rush out of that just because it's uncomfortable no Um, then you miss the good bits yeah yeah I would love to know Katie what do you feel like in your own self and your own life at the moment you are working through what is your current area of inner work what are you growing through expanding into what's unfolding in your world Oh, this is a good one. Um, I've actually been sitting with a really um, something that's uncomfortable because for me it's around relationships, I think, at the moment. I've been separated for 14 months, I think, or 15 months maybe now, and and my baby's 10 and a half months old. So I'm starting to come into my own again. The book's coming out. My life's going really well. And I'm just starting to realize that, you know, that I'm open to, well, that I'm I'm on my own, if you know what I mean. And I'm open to maybe meeting someone one day, like I'm coming through that. And that for me is huge. Like that's a whole other area that I don't even know how to do that. You know what I mean? But it's like really expansive in the way that I never, I, when I first came out of my marriage, I was like, I'm never going near a man again, like full man hating in like not even realizing that I was doing it because I'm raising two little men. So I love men. You know what I mean? Like I'm all about the masculine in this household. I'm severely outnumbered, but I was like, never again, never, ever, ever, ever. And then to slowly now be coming through that. I don't even know what that looks like, but I also feel this sense of like there's this loss there that I didn't have before. Something, not that I believe that anything's missing, but there's something that I'm feeling and it's in my chest and it's in my heart. So I know that that's coming up for me. So what that is, I don't really know yet, but I know it's got a lot to do with I've got to love myself whole and and unconditionally. This is the thing because I realized that I was loving myself with conditions, which I didn't, wasn't aware of until recently. So that is a whole other level. When I thought, no, I do love myself. Like I, you know, I get who I am. I'm a whole entity and I'm really disciplined in my self-love. Like I will say no to what doesn't serve me. I'm strong in that self-love, but only if I stick within those rules that I'd set for myself and those conditions. So when I let myself down on whatever else, whoa, that brought up so much stuff. So yeah, there's quite a few things going on there, but that I don't know if I've explained it really well, but there's definitely some heart work that's going on about possibly in time being open to another relationship one day. I'm not sure. 
and also loving myself without the conditions and the restraints that I've put on myself in the past. Mm, Thank you for sharing that. You explained it perfectly and I relate to so much of that. I think any time that inner feeling and desire comes to to enter into a new relationship or that we realize we want to be in a relationship, whatever it is, it will always bring up, you know, things about our relationship with ourselves, where we're like, okay, here's a bit of my deeper work to do or my healing work to do as part of that. So thank you for sharing that. I relate to that very much. And I, mm-hmm. you know, with everything that we have talked about today and, and with the book as well, I just really honor and appreciate your honesty and authenticity and vulnerability and the realness through which you share your message and it's so refreshing in this industry today this industry of personal development that we're kind of in to not paint this picture of perfection and that I'm some glowing role model of this way of living but that hey I'm a real woman like you I'm in the trenches doing the work and I'm going to share with you my journey so thank you so much for being here with me and for sharing this with my audience today Thank you so much. I hope the ladies that need to hear it got something out of it. Absolutely. Um, Can you please share with me and my audience where we can find out more about you, where people can get a copy of the book? What is the best way to connect with you and your work? Absolutely. So I've got a little website that's uh, ktdean, as in the letters, ktdean.com.au, and you can either get the book there or it's on Amazon, Booktopia, Um, book depository anywhere um, books are sold online and there's also Instagram and Facebook but I'm sure you'll be able to pop them in the show notes and yeah I really have a fun sassy community and we drop the f-bomb a lot over there (laughs) Um, it's yeah it's a bit of fun and I would um, absolutely welcome any of your community to come over and hang out Mm, I have no doubt we'll have people coming over to find out more about you. And I, I do encourage people to read the book as well, because it, it's it's like what we've been talking about. It's so comforting when we realize other people are moving through the same things that we are. So it'll be both reassuring and, and supportive for people. But there's also so much wisdom that you share in there that you've gained that I think people will be able to take on board and really apply to their own lives. So I hope oh, people go out and grab a coffee. Thank you so much. I've loved it. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. And thank you to everyone who has been tuned into this week's episode of Awaken Radio. I've loved having you here. And I will talk to you again next time. 